This is a Research in Practice podcast, supporting evidence-informed practice with children and families, young people and adults. Hi everyone, my name is Jessica Wilde and I'm the Domestic Abuse Lead for Research and Practice and today we'll be talking about the recently completed Domestic Abuse and Child Protection Change Project. The Change Project was a national project with the aim of exploring and supporting new conceptual and practice developments in response to families where domestic abuse is an issue of concern for child protection services. Um, And it drew upon the latest international research, emerging practice approaches, as well as expertise from people with lived experience to explore possibilities for understanding why domestic abuse is such a key driver of demand in child protection as well as to understand how it might be better responded to by approaches that are more humane and socially transformative. Another key aim was to collaboratively produce outputs and learning resources which could support policymakers and practitioners in their work supporting families where there's a person causing harm in order to enable better outcomes for children and whole families. And this podcast series represents one of those learning resources, which we hope will go some way to embedding some of the valuable contributions from the practitioners and leaders who took part in the projects so that their insights might be mobilised or applied in thinking elsewhere in the country. So the project was led by Professor Kate Morris of Sheffield University, Professor Bridget Featherstone of Huddersfield and Sharon Inglis, a restorative practice consultant. And there were representatives from approximately 30 local authorities and voluntary sector partners who took part in the project. So one of the local authorities represented on the project was Bath and North East Somerset. And we have Becky Wills here to talk about her experience with the Change Project. So I'll hand over to Becky to introduce herself. Hi, I'm uh, Becky Wills and I've uh, worked in Bath and North East Somerset Council since I was a student actually in 2013. Um, and I've been employed there since 2014. Um, For most of that time, I practiced um, in um, child protection and court team. Um, But for the last two years, I've worked in our intervention team um, with various intervention projects, one of them being called New Way, which is a domestic abuse service. And it's through that service that I became involved in the change project. Thank you, Becky. Um, I'll just start off with the first question then. Um, So just thinking about your work locally. Can you um, give me a sense of how you or your teams currently approach child protection work with families where um, there is a a person causing harm or where domestic abuse is an issue of concern for you? Okay, so I suppose I want to start by saying, you know, I'm not an expert, you know, not not in the field of domestic abuse or or in how Baines approach domestic abuse. And I, I think today I'll largely be talking about my own experience working with domestic abuse within the child protection system um, and thinking about how the systems around me impacted on my practice and the families that I worked with. And I think, you know, as a bit of context in Baines in the last couple of years, there's been a lot of investment in um, training around a trauma-informed approach and also us adopting as a local authority a, a systemic approach to practice And I think with that has come a real shift in our practice. Um, But I think as with all local authorities, there there remains good practice um, and practice that we'd like to improve. Um, And when I was thinking about this question, I thought a lot about the audits that we completed as part of the change project and some of the issues that we identified during those audits um, and how either 
either scarily or, or reassuringly for Baines that the issues we were facing were, were quite reflective of the issues our colleagues throughout the country were facing. So I, I don't know if it would be useful for me just to talk about some of those themes that came out. Yeah, and I think um, it's worth mentioning that the audit that Becky has just referred to here is um, something that everyone in the Change Project worked towards and we will be publishing the, the findings because as you've just said, Becky, they, there was consistent themes um, across all of the partners that, that did the audit. So yeah, it would, it would be great actually to hear um, a bit of an overview of what you found when you did that audit. Brilliant. So I think... I think the thing that stuck with me the most that that um, Bridge Featherstone had said was that what we're doing at the moment isn't working. You know that that we we've been practicing in what I've come to sort of call traditional way of um, uh, approaching domestic abuse for a long time, and we haven't been effective at reducing one its impact on families and children, or two its prevalence. You know how much of it there is. So when we were doing the audits, I was thinking about that a lot. So I think, and again, I'm talking about my own practice here a lot. When, when I was a case holding so, social worker, I think there was a tendency for us to be incident led. So maybe we would get a report um, of an incident of violence from a neighbour or, or most likely the police. And then that our response would be around that incident. Um, and often that meant that the further away from the incident that we got, the maybe the less we were concerned. Um, and that didn't necessarily reflect a reduction of the risk, potentially a reduction of our knowledge about what was happening in the family um, or, or, or other issues that were going on. And, and I think alongside that, I think about the unspoken nature of domestic abuse and the language that, that that's used to describe what's going on in families. Um, and I think when we were doing the audits and when I think about when I was writing child protection plans or, or, or court statements, that often we would use the word domestic abuse as if it was this big descriptor word that told everybody what was going on. Um, and actually sitting on the outside and doing audits when you're not in the middle of it all and reading case files and just seeing, you know, concerns around domestic abuse, but not knowing what they are and what they look like, you know, are we talking about you know, significant incidents of violence? Are we talking about issues of control, coercion, financial abuse? You know, there's so much that comes under the umbrella of domestic abuse. Um, and I'm not sure that we were always great or always are great at really writing down on paper what our concerns are. And I suppose I, I reflected about how that must contribute to the, the unspoken nature of domestic abuse. Um, you know, particularly when we're talking to children, um, I think that we use language to try and maybe protect them in the minute, but that doesn't necessarily support them to tell us what's going on within their family or, or, or feel safe to do so. Um, another thing that, you know, was really evident in our audits and, and, and reflective of my, my time being a case-holding social worker was that we, we're not working with men enough. Um, that when we are labelling men as um, the person causing harm, often we're seeking to remove them from the situation, um, remove them from the family, rather than offering interventions that deal with the underlying problems. Um, and I think, you know, again, 
from a position where I'm able to sit a little bit outside that now, I can see that as really short sighted. Um, and that might may give the professionals a little bit of reassurance that in the short term that the risk to the family is reduced if the person who is believed to be violent isn't in the home. But actually, when you look at what happens in the long term, you know, is that person really out of the home? Um, if that if he has really separated from the family, you know, where are they going now? Are they starting a new relationship? Um, what about the person who remains in the family home? You know, what what will their next relationship be like? Um, so I suppose, and this I think really was reflective of um, practitioners around the country that that it felt quite short term that the protection and the security that we were seeking was quite short term. Um, and it didn't necessarily solve the sort of underlying issues, really. So, yes, there were some of the sort of main themes that, that came out. And, and, you know, it doesn't necessarily reflect all of our practice. But I think if we're talking about things that we want to think more carefully about, that they were certainly some of the main themes that me and my colleagues were talking about in Baines. Yeah, and I think the things that you've highlighted there are very much reflected in what we, we heard from other um, practitioners across the country. In light of those challenges, which I know many people across the country will be resonating with, you know, um, as they hear you speaking about them, um, were there things that we addressed in the change project that might have um, helped you expand your thinking in relation to those two things or things that, you know, maybe you felt would be applicable or have some kind of resonance for your services as you think about how you might tackle those challenges? Yeah, and I think, you know, for for, for me, and so I, I came on the change project with myself and two of my colleagues, and, and I think it's really fair to say that for us, the change project was genuinely really transformative in the way that we were thinking about approaching our work. And we were lucky in that it came at a time, the change project literally started at a time where we'd been asked to redesign what um, our domestic abuse service, which is a really, really tiny service. It's actually got one person at the moment who, who is um, actually, you know, case holding and working. Um, so, yeah, the change project gave us loads um, and came at a really positive time. And I think one of the parents that came to talk to us on the project um, talked to us about um, how she experienced the the system that was meant to protect her uh, as actually ultimately far more terrifying that, than the person who was causing her harm. And I think that that, that sat with us a lot, um, really when we're thinking about how we're producing plans and talking to families about domestic abuse. Um, I think in terms of language, um, we thought a lot about the... The way we approach work with families, you know, what we want to do is work with families. We, we don't want to speak with families in a way that's going to make them move away from us so that they can't be honest with us um, and ultimately see, see us as frightening. So when, when we've developed a new way, we've really thought about how we're approaching work and giving families space to tell us what's happening, not just to see that there was a police report and think we know exactly who's causing the harm, what the level of risk is, uh, and most importantly, what the best way to, to move towards safety is. Um, I think that um, 
some of the things we talked about in the change project were issues around intersectionality um, and along in Baines in our journey around, around systemic practice we talk a lot about the social graces which I understand as, as another way of talking about intersectionality and sort of how, how different elements of people's identity may impact on on how they view how they work with us or how they experience different issues and different services um and to, re to really think about that if you think you know often in child protection plans there is um, an expectation that all incidents of violence are reported to the police or, or, or to the social worker um and it's such a double bind isn't it you know if you if you put yourself in that situation you know, you're asking families to tell professionals things which may ultimately lead to our response escalating and, and potentially moving up through child protection and, you know, in the worst case scenario to, towards a court setting. Um, and to think about, you know, if you come from a background where, where there is um, lots of families around you that have had children removed from social care, or if you if you um, come from um, a background that is known to be targeted by the police in the context of current police violence, um, you know, when you start thinking about all these things, people's decision not to seek help makes loads more sense. Um, so we're, we're working really hard to, to think about how we can approach the beginning of our work with people we're working with from a place of understanding, you know, what what is the... I don't really like this term, but cost benefit to them of different decisions. You know, what 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 does it mean to tell the social worker maybe how difficult things are um, or how often things are happening? Um, you know, what 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 is the cost to the child to be to being honest with us? But for me, the thing that I found most useful from the change project was definitely the learning around typologies, Michael Johnson's typologies. And I think for me, what, what was great about that is it, it reflected what I saw in practice that I wasn't really able to articulate. When, when we talk about domestic abuse, I think most people think of a really clear victim perpetrator when one person is seeking to sort of control um, the life of their partner and they do that through various fear and control tactics. And it's really important to say that, that that exists and it's really important that we're open to that um, and that we are responding to that in the right way. Um, but what I also found in practice was that didn't necessarily always describe what I was seeing. Um, and, and when we think about that form of domestic abuse, all my training as a social worker, all the training I've been offered since I've been a social worker has focused on that form of domestic abuse, which Michael Johnson, I believe, calls intimate partner terrorism. Um, and when I talk about it, I, I need to be really careful that I know that that is a huge portion of what domestic abuse is, and, and it's a really gendered issue, really, in our society. However, that there is these other typologies of domestic abuse. And I think the one that, that really struck a chord to me was called uh, situational couple violence. Um, and I suppose I, I, my understanding of that, how I would describe that, is where in a relationship there is two people who maybe have poor emotional regulation skills, who um, have a lot of stresses in their life that are potentially out of their control, be those finances, housing, you know, all of those other things, and that 
situations escalate and sometimes end in violence. But that violence isn't about controlling one another. It's about trying to control a situation or, or, or just losing regulation, becoming unregulated and violence occurring. Um, and it's not to minimise violence in that situation, but it's to recognise that actually situational couple violence, for example, and intimate partner terrorism would need really different responses. And that I don't think that within the systems we have in child protection, social work are set up to allow us to one, talk about or, or two, respond differently to those nuances. Um, and I think one of the things, you know, not all domestic abuse is the same. So, so why would we why would we respond to it all in the same way? Yeah, I think, um, you know, what you've just described is is a, is a, a perfect kind of summary of how we might um, harness the, the, the Johnson's work on typologies to provide a more nuanced response, both to victim survivors and to the person causing harm. Um, and allow us to delineate between where there is an, um, an is coercive control. Thinking about people, you know, outside of a heteronormative um, relationship um, or a cisgendered relationship and where typologies might allow us to um, tailor a response that more adequately um, responds to the particular relationship that people are in or their identities. Um, and I think also, you know, thinking about identities, your description of how you've um, applied um, an intersectional lens in your work is um, also really um, captures it extremely well. Um, and I was interested when you were talking about that and how you, you're trying to attend to people's identities very early on and how they may intersect with your response. Um, and you talked about creating a space where people can, can tell you that. Um, and, I, and I wondered what, what is that kind of, what does that mean in practice? And I think credit here needs to go to um, uh, Naomi, who's an art, who's the practitioner in our new way project here. And you know, we, we do spend a lot of time talking about it, but it's her out there doing it in practice. Um, I think um, we've started to talk in our team quite a lot about talking about the talk. So before before we begin the work, we do a lot of talking about what it would be like to do the work, um, and I think. You know, before we even do that, we're, we're, we're coming into this work with the belief that change is created in relationships and that relationships are key to the work and that it is way better that we take ages to set the work up, but that, that somebody is feeling comfortable to engage in that work with us. So when we talk about talking about the work, the work we talk about what we're going to do. We're going to talk about what it might feel like to do that. We're going to talk about what it, what, how we might know when you're struggling. We're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk about what we're going to do in a lot of detail before we actually do it. And in that time, you know, the, the person's getting the ability, having the time to sort of feel, feel out our worker, you know, get to know them. Um, and I think we are really clear with people that, that they are the expert, you know, that, that, that we're there to talk to them and try and understand what's happening and, and hopefully ask them questions that will make them think about things differently rather than us being the expert at all in any situation. Um, and our work, um, 
Historically, I think New Ways, so New Ways existed previously and it, we used to do, and it was a great service. Um, but unfortunately, the staff moved on, which gave us an opportunity to really look at what we were doing. Um, it was a slightly more behavioural approach um, where, where, and it was a bit more time, um, fixed term intervention. Where, whereas now we're, we probably don't talk about the behaviour around the domestic abuse to, to towards the end of the intervention, maybe. And a lot of the conversations we're happening or having with individuals are about um, the values and beliefs that they grew up in. You know, what do relationships mean to them? Um, you know, what what messages were they given about them themselves as a child? Um, you know, what have they taken from previous relationships into this one? What does being a woman or a man or being straight or gay mean to that individual person? Um, you know, is screaming and shouting in their family history a really normal way to resolve situations? You know, has that become normalised or, or is that something that's really frightening and unacceptable to them? So I think we spend an awful lot of time at the beginning of um, the intervention I suppose trying to understand what that person's terms of reference are, what what context are they speaking from, and getting a shared meaning. When when we say words like there was an argument, like what does that mean? Like are arguments normal or arguments like something that would really impact on you. So trying to get a real sense that when we start to use words in the future, that we know that, that they mean the same thing. What are the foundations that their behaviour and their way of responding is built on those sort of and that they're, they're the unconscious things in people that are actually really hard for them to articulate and let you know and even know it's such so unconscious those values and belief that that lead our behavior so I suppose a lot of the work at the beginning is trying to pull that out into the consciousness yes yeah yeah no that makes really good sense I know we have limited time so I guess I'll just um finish by asking you in in light of everything that you've you've kind of described and that there's so much going on there what you anticipate um the the challenges as well as the opportunities might be as you move forward um over kind of the next six to twelve months and um how you might go about addressing them and also who you think you need on board as you move forward I think the biggest challenge in anywhere in this sector it, it is that we are an overstretched system, you know, that 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 um, overstretched, underfunded um, and. Um, you know, and especially when you add COVID into this, you know, the social workers are out there practicing, often working from home, you know, with less support around them than previous. So, so I think the biggest challenge really is that the, the resources in the system and that our individual workers who are out there practicing on the front line, you know, are not so stressed and stretched that, that they don't have the capacity to be really thinking about how how they're doing. And again, I, I'm talking about my, my own experience there when I think about um, working for lots of families, going from home to home, from visit to visit, they're often it didn't feel like I had time to be really thoughtful. And I think that, you know, Baines's journey into systemic practice ha has is working towards addressing that really well. But with added complications like COVID, it does make things really difficult. And I also think about social work education. You know, I, I trained as a social worker 
2012, I believe. Um, and Michael Johnson's typologies comes from 2008. And I didn't hear about it until I did the change project, you know, and I've got to accept a certain amount of personal responsibility in that. However, you know, I was trained as a social worker and I've received lots of domestic abuse training since that time. And never has anybody suggested that there might be more than one typology. So I think for me, resourcing and education sort of on the wider political, um, you know, the higher up systems is really important. More locally, it's about how we disseminate um, the information throughout, um, throughout our own local authority and that we do that in a way that is um, that's helpful. I, I think it's really easy for, for social workers to go to training days and sort of end up leaving thinking, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not, I've not done enough or I'm not doing, I need to be better rather than actually that, that the systems aren't supporting me. Um, maybe like you know the government and the educational systems aren't, aren't there to, to, to allow this to happen we're really keen to get some of you know the speakers that you've had um, in the change project come and talk to us in Baines um, and I think that's some something that we're progressing we've talked um, a lot to Sharon Ingalls Ingalls sorry Sharon Sharon we talked a lot about Sharon and life authority and we're thinking about how we can join our new way service um, with our family group conferencing service um, and push forward with families being the answer to their difficulties, not professionals holding the answers. Thank you, Becky. Um, I, will, I will leave it there. But before asking you if there's anything else um, that you haven't mentioned that you'd like to mention um, before we close. No, but just, you know, I'd love there to be a change project part two. I just, you know, it's <laughs> It, it's been really great and it really was um, we're really grateful to have been part of it thanks for listening to this research in practice podcast we hope you've enjoyed it why not share with your colleagues and let us know your thoughts on twitter tweet us at researchip.com